0: It's Friday, and Friday means Q&A. Welcome to the Radical Personal Finance Podcast, the show dedicated to providing you with the knowledge, skills, insight, and encouragement you need to live a rich and meaningful life now while building a plan for financial freedom in 10 years or less. My name is Joshua Sheets, and I am your host. And today, this is kind of like a radio show. You got phone lines, you got callers, and you got a host behind a microphone. So (laughs) a little bit of live Q&A today. Right now I, got two, I have two callers waiting on the line, and uh, so we'll see if anybody else calls in as we get started. But it works just like a live call-in show for a radio. Uh, and the way to get notified about these shows is I've been doing these shows exclusively for patrons, uh, patrons of the show, where I put it out on the, page, on the Patreon page and I let patrons know that, uh, that, I, uh, um, that we can call in and do a Friday Q&A show. But the last two times that I put that out, I have had zero Zero participation from patrons. I guess all the patrons have all their questions answered because I've done such a good job in other places, right? <laughs> so today I put it out to the email list, uh, and uh, so I've got a couple of callers have called, called in on the email list. So basically, and I've also in the past in, in a previous one when my Patreon uh, participation was low, I put this in the Radical Personal Finance Facebook community group. So if you if you're not connected with me on the email list, and also if you're not connected in the Radical Personal Finance Facebook community, or if you're not a patron of the show, you're basically not getting any of these notifications But if you're in those things uh, So from time to time You might get something nice Like this live Q&A show Quick note on the email list By the way uh, I've, One of my commitments Was to do a better job with that And I utterly failed for a while but those of you who are subscribed to the email list will noticed and will have noticed that uh, uh, I've, gotten, I've gotten better at that. And that's my number one priority right now is to do a good job communicating via email. Uh, and so I'll be sharing a lot of personal stuff through the email. I'll be making trying to make that really valuable. So if you have any interest in receiving emails from me, especially really good ones, then come on by and subscribe to the Radical Personal Finance email list. I would be glad to have you there. Our first caller today is is Zach calling in from Illinois Zach go ahead and introduce yourself and let me know what you'd like to talk about today please
1: Hi so um I'd like to talk about um if you have like if you were a 13 year old like me and you wanted to become a financial advisor knowing what you now know now now know um what you would tell me um I should be doing right now. So kind of prepare for
0: that. That is a brilliant question. (laughs) So you're 13 years old and you are interested in becoming a financial advisor. When would you like to be, when would you like to start working as a financial advisor?
1: So um, in your show, when you're talking about getting a bachelor's degree by 18, that's what I'm, that's what I'm working on. So hopefully sometime right around that time.
0: Okay. And when you think of the term financial advisor, what does that mean as far as what type of business are you interested in? What type of areas are you interested in working in?
1: Um, probably, like, just helping people with their money to be able to, like, find out what they want and how to get there. I don't know, like, specifically who I'd want to work with since mm-hmm. I'm only 13. Like, Sure. I sure. don't have experience like, with being an adult.
0: Right. Well, I applaud you for, uh, for calling in. And uh, man, I, I hope that my son someday when he's 13 years old, years old is calling somebody smart and asking them uh, good questions <laughs> like that. Uh, so I applaud you for that. Here are a couple of ideas uh, for you. Would you. A couple more questions just to clarify, though. Would you be interested in working now? As a uh, an advisor of some kind, or is this something in the future that that, that you only want to do in the future? Are you t- are you too busy where you can't do anything now, or is this something where you'd be interested no. in getting into it now?
1: That'd be really cool to get into it right now, but I don't know how that would
0: be right, awesome. right, right. So here's here's kind of the the challenge of trying to figure figure things out. Uh, the first challenge that you have to do is um is to You've got to develop a skill set that's going to help somebody. So there are many different types of financial advisors, and there are some things that are easy to do, and some things that are not easy to do. And um, you got to figure out and figure out based upon what uh, what can you do that's going to build uh, a skill set. So here are a couple of, of of ideas and ways to ways to approach it. The first thing is to start with the simplest of financial skills that you can develop and market. And in my mind, I think that would be the skill of bookkeeping, uh, your challenge as a 13-year-old is the same challenge except worse that I faced when I was 23 years old. And I started in the business when I was 23 years old and I had a, I have a, underneath my massive red beard, I have a baby face and I look very young for my age. And so uh, take that and multiply it times way worse and you have that at 13 years old. Now if you walked into some wealthy person's uh, house and you asked them at 13 years old for uh, stewardship they said and you said please would you be willing to give me stewardship of your 10 million dollar investment portfolio they might be disinclined to say yes because it would be hard for them to uh, uh, to know how how to how how could they be confident that you would actually be able to deliver value but you could develop a skill very simply with good self-study through uh, of something like bookkeeping. Uh, and business owners hire bookkeepers all the time. You learn how to use QuickBooks, um, get the program. You go down and you get a book uh, from the library on how to use QuickBooks, or you buy a book on QuickBooks, uh, and then you start working with local family and friends. So if you can find a family business that you can work in, that's an ideal thing. Uh, If you can find some friends uh, of businesses, maybe some parents of your friends who have small businesses, and you're looking for small businesses, and you can start to say, hey, I'm building a bookkeeping business. And the key is to find somebody who'd be willing to train you. So I would look to see if there's a connection with an accountant or with a bookkeeper who's already established that you can work with them. Uh, And if you can work with them as an intern, that starts to help you to build financial skills, skills of bookkeeping. Once you're competent, there's no reason why you can't hire yourself out as uh, a bookkeeper. And there's there's no reason whatsoever why you can't do that from an early age. The problem with starting work in your teen years is you have to figure out how to get around the child labor laws. So uh, there's all these stupid child labor laws that keep teenagers from working. Uh, And the answer the way to get around them is, self-employment you can work for yourself and you can run your own business. It's the same answer that uh, problem that people like illegal immigrants face. They can't get a job because they don't have a social security number and they can't get a fake one for whatever reason or the, the, the company won't accept it. Well, the answer there is self-employment. You start your own business. And, and so you could start something like a bookkeeping business and that gets you around the topic of finance. If you find that it's a good fit for you, then a bookkeeping business could lead very easily to an accounting business. And one of the great things about an accounting business is it's very technical. It's pretty easily learned. And people would find it relatively simple to place their confidence in you if you can demonstrate your comp- your competence. The way that I would get into the, um, the accounting business would be twofold. Um, I don't think you'll be able to do this yet. But for someone who's a little bit older, if you can find a seasonal... Uh, a seasonal company, like an H&R Block, something like that, you can get a job there. And you can get that with very minimal qualifications, with basic experience, prove basic competency. And that will start to uh, factor in as the experience requirements that you need if you're going to sit for something like the CPA exam down the road. Uh, but the other way that I would go is I would search for, again, find a local accountant Look for – ask your parents if they know, know people. Uh, your parents may be involved in a local community service organization, something like a Kiwanis Club or a Rotary Club, something like that. Uh, they may be involved uh, – there may be somebody in your church. If you go to a, a part of a church, usually there will be a few accountants in many normal sizes churches. If not, you might have to start from scratch and try to find a place where you can uh, intern underneath an accountant. And along the way, you can start studying for your, for your enrolled agent um, uh, certi- certification and the enrolled agent agent program is the best way for you to that I know of best way that I know of for you to be able to start to build your own tax practice. And you don't need the experience requirements that you need from the CPA. Um, the, you don't need some of the educational requirements that you need from the CPA. But you're authorized to practice before the IRS and to represent clients before the IRS with an enrolled agent designation. The enrolled agent designation is a federal Uh, uh, basically a, a series of exams. So you get a book and you study it and you learn the material. And I'm not aware of any reason why you couldn't, at 15 years old, have a tax practice uh, of your own uh, and a bookkeeping practice of your own and be able to serve your clients very, very competently. The great thing about your age is you can do this very informally, and nobody will be offended by your working out of your house. Nobody will be offended by uh, by your not having an office. You can do this with very low expense. It's just a matter of marketing your services. Then uh, from then on, I would start to look at insurance and insurance is going to be the simplest and easiest way for you to start to move from the world of accounting, into the world of uh, financial advice. Uh, and so I would consider getting a life insurance license, a life insurance and a health insurance license, and try to find a local agency that, with whom you can contract as the general agency to start to do a little bit of life insurance business. I'm not aware of any reason why a young person can't have an insurance license. There may be in your state some requirement that you have to be 18, uh, but I'm not aware of that. Uh, so you would need to research that. If you find yourself blocked, no problem. Just adjust and just. uh, This what the the this so I'm I I can't stand licensing schemes. I can't stand. licensing schemes because basically all licensing schemes serve exclusively to protect the cabal of people who are already established and already in the business. That's why licensing schemes exist. So so it's designed to keep people like you out. So if you find an age thing, you find a reason why you can't be licensed, then you got to find a workaround and you got to figure out how can I adjust and how can I offer a product that will help people. A good person that you should look at and that you should research would be somebody like Caleb Maddox. Uh, I think his name is spelled M um, A D D I X. But he's a young man. He's I think four, 15 years old now, something like that. But he's been working as a motivational speaker since he was about 11 or 12 years old. You can find his website. He wrote a book that was basically called Success for Kids. And for uh, for the last couple of uh, of Year, you know, for the last few years, he's been building a business where he's been serving and working as a success coach for kids. And I don't remember his exact age, but it's something like 15 years old. But he he earns in excess of six figures a year, I would guess much more at this point in time, uh, because he's done such a great job with his business. But he's doing a tremendous job of building a business serving uh, kids with. Uh, success coaching. You could do the same type of thing in an area of personal finance. You could do something like uh, you could do something like uh, like that, where you developed uh, a financial course or a financial seminar to teach other young men and women how to handle their money, and you did it from a unique age perspective of your, your own age. The other thing that you can do is you can, you, you go and you pivot and you go into a place where there's no licensing required. So, my go to example here is social security planning. There's no reason why you have to be a certain age in order to build. A business working as a social security consultant. I'm not aware of any licensing that needs to be done. I'm not aware of any uh, board of requirements. I'm not aware of any age of anything to market yourself as a social security consultant. Um, All you need is knowledge, expertise, and a good marketing plan. And so, if you, for example, let's say that you wanted to build uh, a business working as a financial advisor, but you found that you know the Merrill Lynch guy is not going to hire you, the local financial advisor doesn't think you can sell investments. You could build in the coming five years, you could build a tremendous knowledge and it'd be of tremendous ser- tremendous service in um, learning how to do social security planning. All you got to do is read a half a dozen or a dozen books, carefully look at them, carefully study the material, and then you've put yourself from a novice into the position of an expert and you could give advice. And you could build a business where you provided social security consultation for, uh, for people who were in their 50s, their 60s, who were heading. Towards retirement, uh, you can provide a consultation, which would be well worth 200 dollars, four hundred dollars for an hour consultation. That would help them figure out how what what social security filing strategy they should implement. So that's. Um that's kind of, those are some of the ideas that I would start with because you're going to face tremendous discrimination uh, because of your age in the mainstream world. Um, one of the unfortunate things about uh, being a mo- motivated young man is you're going to face ageism, age discrimination based upon being young. So whenever you face discrimination, the secret is pivot and try to figure out how to go in another route. And this is what um, black people and women uh, – when black people and women have faced lots of discrimination in the past the way that they were successful through it was to pivot and don't take it head on so there were many women writers who were fantastic writers but they would write under a male pen name uh, and they would uh, they would just simply publish their work using a man's name instead. Uh, there were many black people who would face discrimination based upon their color of their skin if somebody found out that they were black. but all they needed to do was to figure out a way to conceal that and so for you it would be the same kind of thing. You could develop skill as a social security consultant as an example, and um, you could do that primarily through written content and consulting. And that minimizes the need for people to see your face. Uh, and I mean, you could go all kinds of crazy with this. I, I've, I have software that I could use very easily to change, uh, to change your voice. And, and so you could uh, develop a more bassy voice that sounds more appropriate. Uh, the two things that you got to watch out for as a young man is number one, the tone of your voice can sound very young and the cadence of your speech. So, But you can practice and change the cadence of your speech, and you can use digital equipment to change the tone of your voice. So all of these problems are are surmountable, but those are just a long list of ideas of things that would be – if you were my son, those would be the first areas that I would be encouraging you to focus on. Wow, that's really cool. Never
1: thought of any of
0: <laughs> yeah, the, the the key thing I would say is, of course, your primary focus at this point in time should be knocking out your academics. And you're obviously very focused on that. Uh, so focus on knocking out your academics. But but to get into the financial business, you want to just start getting close to it with whatever you can find. So it's a whole lot easier for you to go the path that I've said, such as bookkeeper, um, accountant, uh, consultant, move into insurance, and then move into if you find it's a good fit for you, if you find the skills that are helpful... Then you find it's a good fit for you. then at that point in time, go ahead and move on to something like uh, trying to figure out how to get a certified financial planner designation, or whatever it is that whatever it is that exists uh, five years from now. The problem with the CFP board uh, or financial advisor world is they're going to have to get hired by most financial advisors. I don't know if there's an age requirement uh, to have a securities license. Uh, you would have to research that. But the major problem is who do you work with and how do you build confidence in somebody? And that's the problem with the, the technical financial advisor space. The technical financial advisor space involves uh, involves the fact that you're going to be governed by securities laws. And in securities laws, you can't do the marketing of uh, something like I've, like I've demonstrated. Uh, you have to do in-person solicitation uh, generally. So if you're going to do in-person solicitation, that stacks the deck against you. Now, all of a sudden, you're trying to say to some thir- – you know, as a 13- or 15-year-old, you're trying to say, hey, give me your $10 million. You've got no track record, and you can't prove a specific skill. So focus on something that you can prove a specific skill in, and also focus on uh, building some way that you can market yourself as an expert. First you become an expert, then you market yourself as an expert. And when you can market yourself as an expert, then the discrimination that you face because of your age will start to melt away. And people's initial response of, "Ooh, this guy's super young," turns into, "Wow, This guy's fantastic." That would be um, the encouragement I would give. Finally, my other encouragement for you, Zach, is this. There's no reason why you can't, if you're really interested in investing, not just helping people with money, like if you're really into investing, there's no reason why in the next five years you can't become a phenomenal investor and become a, phenomenal, uh, a phenomenal, phenomenally knowledgeable person. There's a man um, who writes uh, by, the name, by the name of Joshua Kennan. His website is Joshua com. Uh, he's now I think in his late twenties or early thirties, but he was somebody who in during his middle teenage years, early and middle teenager years, he was obsessed with investing, and again back to that ageism, how to overcome ageism. He was uh, writing. He was. He is. I think still. He is the columnist or the writer for the New York. Uh, the about the website about which is owned I think by the New York Times, uh, for the for their personal finance and their money and investing section. And he wrote he's written, you know, tens of thousands of articles uh, publicly, and he's a he's a world class expert. He is financially independent through his own businesses and through his own uh, personal finance uh, uh, prowess, and his own investing prowess. And he did that all during a time when he looked very young and he sounded very young. But he played to his strengths. He never tried to go out and focus on uh, on speaking in public. What he focused on was applying what he learned with his own investment portfolio building businesses that didn't require him to be public-facing and writing... In which it's the quality of your writing and the quality of your ideas that made the di- that made the difference. So he would be another person that you could look at and research some of his early early years. On his blog he used to have more personal information. Uh, he recently started a an investing fund and so he doesn't have much of the personal information on his blog anymore but he has a very interesting story. Any other questions Zach does that spark anything or anything else you want to ask me before I go on?
1: Um, I think that's it Thanks.
0: Keep up the great work. I'm so it's it's so encouraging me to, to me to get a call from uh, from somebody like you. So uh, keep up the great work. I think uh, <laughs> and keep in touch. We want to keep hearing what's going on. Let's go to John in Pittsburgh. Welcome to the show. Let me know how I can serve you today, please.
2: Yeah. Hi, Joshua. I'm um, not sure to ha- how to follow that one. Uh, sounds like yeah. Makes you feel like a
0: loser, care. doesn't it?
2: <laughs> yeah, it really does. I
0: feel like a loser. <laughs>
2: Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like he'll, uh, he'll, he'll be all right. Um, well, I have a, probably a simple question, uh, just on, uh, uh, how to do some simple calculations, I think, uh, related to an income plan. Okay. Um, uh, so I've been trying to lay out, uh, just a kind of a forward looking, um, uh, set of numbers on a spreadsheet. And what I did was very simply just set out, um, different, uh, uh, buckets of assets according to essentially how they're taxed. You know, it's some taxable investments, uh 401k, Roth IRA and traditional IRAs. And I just tried to project them along with my age looking into the future with some simple assumptions. Okay. And I uh and I also did a a you know cost of living per year uh reduction and I only did some simple modifications to the numbers and I'm wondering where I may have gone wrong mathematically because uh, the projections didn't match. I guess they were they were better than I expected. So um, <laughs> all, I, all I simply did was um, I, I I took an inflation rate on my uh, cost of living each year. I think I looked it up and it came out with something like three point one eight percent. So I, I just did that every year. It sounded sounded like a reasonable number to use that I just found on the internet Mm -hmm. and, um, it's on the internet. must be true. Yeah. Right. (laughs) For the, um, and for the, uh, uh, the other accounts, as far as their growth, before I started, you know, subtracting the yearly, uh, the yearly income that I'd need to take from uh, various buckets, I just increased their value at 7%. Uh, might've been a little bit high. Maybe that's why it was better than I expected, but, I didn't think I should grow those only at four percent because uh, um, I thought that was kind of double hedging the uh, the inflation. You know, most people say chop three or four percent off for inflation, but I think if I did that with the increased cost of living, I don't need to do that over in the uh, in the other buckets for their growth. Um, so I, it's probably pretty hard to answer a question like that so, over, over it, spreadsheets. It, I'm just it, kind it, of wondering if there's any template to use or anything.
0: Why do you think that you don't have too much money? Like, why? Why do you think that the numbers aren't aren't accurate?
2: Um. Well, going back to probably another bad rule to use all the time, but uh, if I if I uh, use the four percent rule, you know, I think I probably need to build up more than I have, and uh, maybe that just doesn't take into account what I've been able to do on the spreadsheet, which is to, you know, wisely and in, in, in quote, <laughs> I've been able to draw from different buckets at different times when they're, they're more advantageous. And this is before getting into anything more complicated, like a, um, like a conversion line or anything. This is just straight taking from buckets where it seems appropriate. Um, but it got me out to, um, I think if I, if I calculated the two areas where I just took the, the most drastic measures of a 10% penalty on the tax on, a, on the um, taxable buckets, uh, I still got myself out to like age 95 and that, that, that kind of surprised me, I guess. Um, and maybe I, maybe it's just because I used a pretty aggressive 7% growth number. Uh, uh, I don't know if that's aggressive or not. I guess I'm just kind of right. playing around and uh, using using numbers I've heard um, other right. people right. Uh,
0: say. Okay, so I can't. It's a hard question, obviously, to answer in an audio format like this. I can't answer the question. I can't sure. take the spreadsheet. Um, so it's hard sure. to know. If you'd like to talk more about it, we could do. You know, you can set up a consulting call. If any, by the way, if any any listener ever wants to just talk to me personally, um, you can. Uh, you can always set up a phone call with me at radicalpersonalfinance. dot com slash phone call. Uh, those are paid consulting calls, but that's a pretty simple thing to do. RadicalPersonalFinance.com dot com slash phone call. So um, it, obviously, I can't analyze the, the spreadsheet or or anything like that here here would be my um here would be how i would approach it though john how many years before between now and when you were trying to calculate a, your retirement plans is this within the next 10 years or 10 years out
2: uh it was within four, starting to withdraw within four years okay. four or five years
0: if you're in the place where you're starting to withdraw within four or five years then yes you need to get more precise with your calculations and so, your precision in the financial planning situation, the, the a spreadsheet is not going to give you anything more than you know what I can do with my financial planning calculator, pretty financial calculator, pretty easily. And that's just to say, okay, if I did have a seven um, percent growth, and if we did have a three percent inflation rate, then we just simply figure out what the inflation-adjusted return is, and then we grow the money and figure out where, how the money's going to come out. Uh, If you are, but all you're going to get from that is a number. And the reason it won't be perfectly accurate is because your returns are not going to be perfectly consistent and perfectly accurate. So you can't really do any solid stress testing of it. We're just kind of figuring out, are we in the right ballpark? In that context, that's why um, something like the four percent rule, and the four percent rule is the idea that if you have a portfolio that's made up of largely, um, secure, largely stocks, uh, then you can withdraw from that portfolio. If the future is like the past in some way, you know, pretty similar way, you can withdraw from that portfolio about four percent per year of its value, uh, adjusted for inflation, and you can do that. For at least thirty years, basically into perpetuity, so that's the fundamental. Uh, that's the four percent rule. That's as good as anything you're going to get with a spreadsheet to get you in the direction of knowing: Do I have enough money saved? Uh, if you want to get beyond that, you need to talk to a financial planner. If you want to do things like, um, you know, do your own Monte Carlo analysis or, or have them kind of. Very very in uh, a little bit more than that I guess you can use you know fire calc uh, right isn't that one of the open, the free ones fire calc will work on and and help you you can try fire calc I've never played with it myself but I know that's really um, popular in the do it yourself community uh, so yeah uh, but you're not going to get any better results and at the end of the day you're basically when you're projecting um, When you're projecting a long retirement, because you are you know, you're not a you're not a traditional sixty-five year old retiree. When you're projecting a long retire retirement, you're basically taking a guess. And you're saying, Yeah, Mm -hmm. I think I've got enough money, whether it's based upon the four percent rule or, or anything, you're gonna guess based upon the academic research and say, Yes, I think it's going to last forever. I think I'll be okay. And then you're gonna watch it as time goes on. And you're going to watch it and see what your spending is. You're going to see what your income is. You're going to see how much you actually need to take out. And you're going to need to crunch those crunch those numbers. The end of the day, you're not going to get any better than a guess. And you can make an educated guess, but it's just going to be a guess. And so, and a spreadsheet, you know, in many ways, can give you a false confidence. Uh, a spreadsheet may not, you know, may not give it give you what you want. So, I mean, I can. To me, I don't know if your your calculations are right or not right, but 4% rule is a good a place to start as any. If you want to be super, super confident, then you can go on dividend rates and say, how can I live on dividends? Or... or um, but, but at the end of the day, you're just going to have a guess and you're going to watch it as time goes on. And you're going to tighten your belt when your portfolio's is down. Uh, and as I am convinced, I mean, you're not going to quit and not be working. If you are going to quit and not be working, then then you're going to be want to be confident that your portfolio is large enough. Uh, so you're going to be earning income from time to time. And at the end of the day, I think you're, you're – confidence is going to come from the size of the portfolio, recognizing that you've got plenty of, of of money to make changes. And then you just go for it and see because you don't know what, you, you can't predict 50 years, you can't model 50 years. And there's no way that the financial industry, even if you sit down with an advisor and they do a beautiful Monte Carlo simulation, there's no way that the financial advisor industry can model 50 years accurately. I mean, the world in 50 yeah. years is going to be so different. So at the end of the day, you're you're saying, I think I'm probably good to go. I've got quality investments. I'm a smart guy. I'm a good saver. And I can make it. Uh, I don't see any other option other than that uh, there's probably some things in the early retirement community uh, I would reach out to if I were you I would take this question to Doug Nordman uh, or some of the other guys that are very active in the early retirement who are actually retiring those are the guys that I would take this question to and see and and there's there are forums there are communities of people that'll take a look at your spreadsheet uh, try the money mustache uh, community try uh, there's a I forget the name of it but but uh, there's, a, there's another forum that the early retirees hang out in. Put your spreadsheet in there, put your scenarios in there, and they'll give you feedback. But at the end of the day, I think it's just a, an educated guess.
2: No, that's, that's helpful, and I, I think that's probably what I need to hear because uh, my primary reason for wanting to do that wasn't necessarily to uh, say, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely good in, you know, uh, for a number of years. I really wanted to see how that, um, whatever answer I came up with, Changed over the next few years as you know the the market goes up or more than likely down, uh, and I wanted to see how far I pushed out uh, uh, forward or backwards. Uh, so that was my main motivation for doing it, but I didn't want to enter in with um, a, a incorrect, you know, like you said, guessing model uh, into that. Um, uh, you know, as I go forward, so I was trying to kind of work out the bugs. But that's a good idea to ask the ask the forums and. Uh, yeah, maybe a coaching call would be a good idea to um, to get it shaken
0: out. Yeah, be happy to do that. And and the forums are great because the forums will do just a, the forums do a great job of of having people who are actually doing it, who are going to get the lifestyle, who are going to get what you're going for. They're going to understand what you're trying to accomplish. I mean, one of the best things that we happens about the world we live in is the easy access to other people, like minded people in forums, specialized forums. Who can uh, who can help you? So um, let me know if I can help you more in the future. Let's go to I got a six one nine phone number from San Diego, California. Let me know who you are and let's see how I can serve you today, please. If I had a producer. This would be great. I got. Let's try again. Six one nine phone number, San Diego, California. Who's that? Well, hey, if it happens on live radio, can happen on my podcast. All right. That's it. I thought we had one more call, but I think that's it for today's show. Thank you all for listening to the Q&A call. Um, how's that for a diversity of, of even two questions, but two super interesting questions. <laughs> um, hopefully there was some ideas to spark your creativity. You know, I, I, I am so passionate about, I probably showed pretty obviously, but I am so passionate about uh, people like that 13-year-old young man. I He's got such an awesome opportunity and it's easy to kind of – I think it's important not to put too much pressure on people, but I do want to just show the opportunities. I mean, if you look at what someone – now, Caleb Maddox is one of a kind, but you look at what he's been able to do. I need to see if I can get him on the show. You look at what he's been able to do, he'll blow your brain from, from, what, uh, um, from what you and I thought we could do when we were younger. <laughs> That's it for listening. Thank you all so much for being here. I uh, would love it if you – if you'd like to – cut um, participate in a call like this in the future. Um, number one, this one was sent out to the email list. So join us on the email list. Uh, you can sign up for that at RadicalPersonalFinance.com. Jump into the Facebook group. That community group is over a 1,000 people now and lots of people interacting there. I'm pretty accessible there. So jump into the Radical Personal Finance Facebook group. And thank you to those of you who have been sending in your pictures and your uh, voicemails. I'm starting to get voicemails. I've been getting a bunch of voicemails. Thank you so much. If you're not aware of it, I'd love you to just, if you're listening to the show, if you wouldn't mind, send me a picture of yourself or your family. Uh, I making. Just a screensaver that I can look at it. I like that, and it helps me to, to be able to see who my audience is uh, instead of just staring at a microphone. And then, more importantly, for episode 500, I want to do a show just kind of profiling the changes that you've made in your life. So, if over the last couple years, if it's been since listening to pers- Radical Personal Finance, that's really cool, of course. Uh, but if over the last few years you've been making progress, you've learned something, do me a favor, pull out your cell phone, record a quick little voice memo of about two to three minutes and tell us what's happened. Um, Radical personal finance is not for the elite. Radical personal finance is for you and me. And so I want to make sure that I profile real stories from real people. And that means you. So grab your phone, do record a voice memo, two or three minutes, tell us what you've learned on Radical Personal Finance and the changes that you've made in your life. Email that to me, joshua at radicalpersonalfinance.com, joshua at radicalpersonalfinance.com, and I'll be back with you 5 a.m. Monday morning. This show is part of the Radical Life Media Network of podcasts and resources. Find out more at radicallifemedia.com.